exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. Hey, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here. Glad that you're tuning in with us online or in person. I'm making an executive decision that we are going to start every service from now on with a baptism. I think that's absolutely the best way to go. So uh, you can come to the front after this, and yeah, you can, uh, you can volunteer for that right after the service. We'd love to get that lined up. Hey, I'm excited that you had a chance to see Colby as well. Colby is coming to you from Arizona, okay? He's uh, from the southeast, from Georgia, uh, moved out to Arizona to join a program over there, found a job, and he's ready to come back home. And we're lucky to have him coming back to Georgia to spend some time with us. I know if you've been watching on Facebook, you've seen that we've announced a worship pastor that's going to be here in a couple weeks. Uh, we've got an outreach pastor that's already here, um, but, uh, but isn't a officially uh, being told what to do just yet. So um, I've had a couple people reach out to me and they said, what's going on? You've got a ton of new hires coming in all at once. And the truth of the matter is we're working with their schedules a little bit, but part of it is we were just waiting until it was wise to make a decision to keep hiring more people and replace some of these spots. But it's because of your giving is because of your commitment that even when you couldn't attend physically this church, you were still giving. You were still investing in this church. You were still investing in what God was wanting to do through this church, in this community. And we're so excited about that. We're grateful. And because of that, we're going to fill all these positions. And we are going to be ready to rock and roll as things open back up. So we want to thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm, I'm also excited because we're about to finish up a series called New Lens. We've been in this series for a while now. And throughout this series, we've used Scripture as a guide. We've taken a look at different pieces of Scripture. We've looked through that lens and we've allowed those truths to impact our lives, to bring focus and clarity to our lives. But we've got two sermons left today and next week. And I'm telling you, these sermons are going to be the most practical and the most life-changing of the entire series. So make sure you're here next week so you can hear that one. Make sure you tune in right now. Listen closely because we're going to talk about some powerful stuff today. Let's start off with this week's core verses found in Matthew chapter 28. That's what it says. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, this is the Great Commission, and I bet you've probably heard this before. This comes up in just about every sermon series we preach. It comes up in just about every scripture that we read. It's a part of our mission statement. It's a part of our church values. It's a part of our church budget. This is a priority for us at Northridge. But while this topic is a regularly occurring one in here, what matters is that it translates into action out there. See, I don't know about you, but I like to watch Braves baseball. But a lot of times when I'm watching Braves baseball, I don't do it quietly. Um, I start yelling at the screen. Anybody else like to yell while they're watching sports? Okay? If you are a fan of any Georgia sports whatsoever, just know you're going to spend some time yelling at the TV. That's just how it works. Okay? We're used to it. I was yelling at the TV one day, and my daughter looked at me. She said, you know they can't hear you, right? I said, I do, but I feel like I'm influencing the outcome just a little bit. There's certain games, usually Georgia games, that my dog won't even sit next to me because he gets nervous about all the different things that are going on. 
But what I've found out is that no matter how hard I shout, success is never in the hands of those of us that yell at the TV. Success is never in the hands of those of us that are telling them what to do from our couch. Success is always in the hands of those that suit up, that walk out onto the field, and that fight for victory with everything they have. Listen, the same is true when it comes to the Great Commission. You see, success is not in the hands of those of us that talk about the Great Commission. Success is in the hands of those of us that leave this place, we suit up, we walk out onto the field, and we fight for victory. We allow our talk to go beyond talk and become action out there in the world where we live. You see, the truth of the matter is Christianity doesn't need any more couch coaches. Christianity doesn't need any more couch coaches. They need players who are ready to get into the game, get their hands dirty, and do what Jesus has called us to do. You see, we're not called to talk about the Great Commission. We're called to live out the Great Commission. Here's my sermon in a sentence, and I want you to write this down. I want you to memorize it. I want you to recite this every single morning this week before your feet even hit the floor. It's simply this. The mission of the Christian is to go. The mission of the Christian is to go. To go where? To go anywhere and everywhere with the gospel message. Can I be honest with you? We all feel tension around this subject. You see, the moment I introduced the Great Commission, everybody started to feel a little bit of tension in this idea. Because we all know, you, me, and everybody sitting around you right now, we all know that God is calling us to a higher level of commitment than we're often comfortable embracing. See, we all feel that. But I found some relief this past week as I studied through the book of Acts and found that even the early Christians... The first ones that rapidly expanded with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus. They embraced this in a big way, but they struggled with this tension as well. So we're going to flip through the book of Acts. We're going to focus in on some things that allow us to experience that tension that they felt, but also challenge us and equip us to move forward in the days, weeks, and months ahead to share and proclaim the love of Jesus to the world around us. We're going to start with chapter 1. The book of Acts picks up simultaneously with the Great Commission. So the Great Commission that we just read, that's happening right now. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. And now he's appearing to his followers over a period of 40 days. He gives them the Great Commission. And he also says this in preparing them for his absence. Verses 4 through 5, he says, On one occasion, while he, meaning Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them, the disciples, this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, the mission of the Christian is to go, right? We just looked at that. That's what we're supposed to do. There's urgency in that message. The gospel has got to get out. We've got to embrace it. We've got to share it. We've got to tell people about it. But here, right from the get-go, Jesus says, but wait, not yet. He says, don't go yet. Wait right where you are until something powerful happens. You see, that makes me wonder, what could be so important that Jesus would delay the mission that we were created for? Well, he delayed the mission. He gives it to us right here in this passage. He delayed it until all the supplies arrived at our doorstep. 
He delayed it until the Holy Spirit entered the equation, allowing us to be successful and impactful, allowing him to live inside of us and work through us. You see, this is confusing to us because the Holy Spirit enters our life when we surrender our life to Jesus. But in the book of Acts right here, it didn't start off that way. You see, the Holy Spirit didn't enter the equation until Jesus ascended into heaven. And so the disciples were told to wait until they had everything they needed to be successful. Why is this important? Well, it's incredibly important because it declares to you, me, and anybody who's listening that we are incapable of accomplishing the mission alone. We're incapable. We can't embrace the Great Commission and be successful. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We're not charismatic enough to influence eternity without His divine intervention. You see, we're inadequate. Every feeling that we have that says we can't do this is right, but it's incomplete. Because what we can't do on our own, God gives us the Holy Spirit who's eager and ready to work through us and to bring about success. Let me give you the best news you're ever going to hear about evangelism. It's simply this. The weight of success is not on your shoulders. The weight of success, it's not on our shoulders. Our excuses are just simply opportunities for the Spirit to work. You see, we say yes, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. Let me show you what I mean. I've got this balloon here, okay? I carry it around for situations just like this. But I've got this balloon, and if I were to take this balloon, there's nothing in it, right? And I were to drop it right here, what's going to happen? It's just going to fall right here in place, right? I mean, it's predictable. That's uneventful. If I do it a hundred times, it's going to continue to do the exact same thing. But let me show you something that will change the entire dynamic of this balloon. Okay, now it's filled with something, right? It's filled with air. Now, I want to warn you on the front row, this is not a COVID-friendly exercise. I don't know where this balloon is going to go, and I tried not to spit, but, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you can move towards the back if you want to. You're in the splash zone. But see, now that I've, now that I've filled this balloon up with something, it's, it's not going to fall in a predictable way. It's, it's not going to occur the same way every single time. Now it's going to do something completely different. This is what it's going to do. It's going to fly. It's going to go here, there, and everywhere. It's going to go in an uncontrollable, unstoppable, and erratic way. Listen, that's what the Holy Spirit does for each and every one of us. You see, as believers, we have something powerful that's living inside of us. And that thing that's living inside of us, it changes the situation. It changes the circumstances. You see, now all of a sudden, the fact that we're unable to be effective in this area doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit is inside of us and He is empowering us to go here, there, and everywhere in an uncontrollable, unstoppable, and erratic way. You see, when the Holy Spirit fills us up, the Holy Spirit also sends us out. You see, the good news of the Great Commission is that there is an invisible force that is waiting for a willing vessel. Only question is, will you volunteer? Will I volunteer? Will we do the things that God wants us to do so that the Spirit can move in and through us? See, a couple weeks ago, we were looking at the story of Isaiah, and I loved the story of Isaiah. But when we were talking about Isaiah, he had this incredible encounter with God. But when that encounter was over, God looks out and he says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? 
And Isaiah threw his hand up. He said, here am I, send me. He said, I've experienced your goodness and now I'm ready to volunteer. That's how God operates. He's looking for volunteers that are gonna introduce the Holy Spirit to your school, to your workplace, and to your city. You see, we're not accountable for the results, but we are accountable for our obedience and allowing him to work through us. So the story begins and Jesus tells the disciples to wait. But he doesn't let them stay there for very long. You see, even in that same breath, he begins to explain to them that when the Holy Spirit comes, the period of waiting is over. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, I want you to be equipped with a strategy that's going to allow you to be effective right from the get-go. This is what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the, the whole earth is where we're headed. But he says, let me give you a strategy to get there. He said, the strategy begins in Jerusalem. You see, this is where they are. This is their local community. This is their friends, their, their neighbors, their family members. This is their classmates. This is their coworkers. This is the people that their kids play sports with. This is the people they wait in line for gas with. This is the people that they have the most natural exposure to. This is the people they rub shoulders with on a daily basis. He says, start there. Next, he says, go to Judea and Samaria. This is the wider region surrounding and adjacent to Jerusalem. He says, after you've reached the people right where you are, he says, I want you to expand your reach. And I want you to go to the people that are in your county, in your region, in your state. The people that you can still have access to, but the people that require some level of intentionality to reach. He says, and after that, I want this mission to carry you all the way to the ends of the earth. That's to Nepal, to China. It's the people from a different culture and a different perspective. It's the people who are the farthest away, who are the hardest to reach because it requires the most resources, the most intentionality, the most time than all the rest. You see, the strategy, as Jesus sets it up, is he says, I want you to take the gospel to a widening circle of influence to the people that you have contact with. Here's, here it is, in other words, the strategy is to start where we are, to start where we are. The whole world is where we're headed, and through the Holy Spirit, we're going to get there. But success and confidence begins with our community. You see, our first and everlasting responsibility is to take the name of Jesus to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, and the people that we rub shoulders with each and every day. Let me tell you why this is a good strategy. I was at a church years and years ago, and that church had fleas. Any of you ever go to a church that has fleas? Okay, that's good. Okay, just me. Well, this church had fleas because I was in the youth ministry program and I was, I was leading that youth ministry and we had begged the church, can we have some couches? We didn't have a budget, anything that we could buy couches with. And so somebody donated some couches to us. We were living large. We're in the church basement, the old nursery. We got couches. This is the way church is supposed to be. But that first week, we started to see little bugs crawl around on us. And that next week, we started to have a lot of bugs that were crawling around us. We didn't think much of it until week three when we would put our hand on that old red church carpet. You know what I'm talking about? And you would see bugs jumping over your hand while you sat there. This was a pretty major problem, right? But here's the thing. Those fleas didn't come in looking for all the places they were going to multiply. They just set up camp right where they were. 
And they began to multiply in that place until all of a sudden they had taken over that room, they had taken over that floor, and they were making that entire church their place of worship on a very regular basis. Listen, let me tell you why that matters. Because as a church, we are planted in every classroom, every office, every neighborhood, every ball field, and every store in this area. When we embrace our mission to allow the Holy Spirit to spread through us, man, it is going to start a worldwide movement that begins right here in Milledgeville, Georgia. You think fleas spread fast? They don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of us is going to allow us to multiply when we get serious about embracing the, whole, uh, the Great Commission right where we live, work, and play. But listen, it won't happen because we talk about the Great Commission. The gospel spreads through obedience, not good intentions. The gospel spreads through people, not programs, projects, or buildings. You and I, we're the vehicle that the Holy Spirit wants to use to impact the world around us for his kingdom. Mike talked about this a few weeks ago, and he set up a a tic-tac-toe board up here on the screen. And he told us, he challenged us, he said, imagine that you're at that center space. You're, you're in the middle of this, and you need to be looking at those outer limits to figure out who you have influence over. Who do you have a relationship with that you can write their name into those pieces because those are the people that God is challenging you to share the gospel with. Man, that spoke to me. Let me tell you how I make that a practical thing in my life. You see, that means that Um, We're at an age where our kids always have somebody spending the night with us. Um, There's probably an extra kid in our house more times than there's not an extra kid in my house. But every single kid that comes into my house gets prayed for. I wake up at 5.15 in the morning so that it's quiet and I can spend some time with Jesus. And while I'm spending time with Jesus, I pray for that kid that's in my house. And I pray for their family. And I pray that if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, that they would see something in my kids and the other Christians around them that would challenge them to experience the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to know I've been praying for one girl for four years. Praying for four years with my daughter that God would speak into her life. She, she didn't want anything to do with Christianity. She was really vocal about that. The other day I had prayed for her. She was at my house and she heard a Lauren Daigle song come on, came on and And she said, that's my favorite song. That intrigued me. So I asked her, I said, that's your favorite song? Tell me about that. She said, well, I've started to believe in Jesus now. And that song makes a difference to me. And that's what the Great Commission is all about. It's about prayer. It's about loving people and sharing Jesus with those people. You see, I've got neighbors, and I began to pray for my neighbors. I prayed that they would come into the church and experience the love of Jesus. And two of my neighbors, they started attending the church. It was amazing. And then they moved away. (laughs) I think it may have had something to do with uh, the noise coming from next door. But new people moved in, and I've been praying for them. Every single week, I have one day a week that is set aside just to pray for people in my world that are lost, that I might have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. And last week or two weeks ago, I was sitting over here in the front row getting ready to come up here and preach. And when, you know, one of my neighbors comes wandering in, I was able to give up my seat so that she and her family could sit down. Listen, that's what the Great Commission is about. You see, it doesn't have to be this grand, supernatural, amazing thing. It just has to be obedience where we say, Jesus, give me an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work and impact somebody's life around me. You see, the question we have to begin to ask is who is in our path? Who is in our circle of influence? And how can I start there 
to invest in their lives, to pray for them, to pray for an opportunity that God might allow me to speak into their life, soften their heart so that they might respond to the gospel. The next principle from Acts, this one is going to span for a series of eight chapters. We're not going to read all of that, but we're going to touch on it because this was the hardest one for the early Christians to understand, and it's probably the most important one for you and I to understand so that the Spirit of God can move in our community in a powerful way. It begins in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, after he said this, that's Jesus, he was taken up before their very eyes. Okay, he ascended up into heaven, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Listen, these men, they were just told to prepare for the adventure of a lifetime. The Holy Spirit's coming, and when he gets here, man, powerful things are going to happen. Go get ready for what's about to happen. But instead of getting ready for what's about to happen, they just stared up into the sky. They stared up for so long that God had to send angels to shake them out of it so that they could get ready for the things that God wanted to do through them. You see, what this says to me is that these individuals long to be with Jesus again more than they long to be on mission for him. This started a pattern of behavior. I want to summarize the next few chapters of the book of Acts for you. The the Pentecost came and the Spirit fell and the church grew and still they stayed in Jerusalem. Miracles happened, the lame walked, more sermons were preached and still they stayed in Jerusalem. More miracles happened, deacons were chosen, sermons were preached, and still they stayed in Jerusalem. You see, the Jerusalem part of Acts 1-8, man, it was in full swing, but the gospel was stuck. It was limited by the reach of the ones who were embracing it. But just as the church was facing this temptation to turn inward and focus on themselves, tragedy struck. See, Stephen, he was preaching. He was a follower of Jesus. He was preaching about Jesus. The crowd got angry. He was stepping on their toes. And so they picked up rocks and they began to hurl those stones at him. I want you to know that's not a practice we support in this church. (laughs) But they put him to death. And in that moment, there began this massive persecution in all of Jerusalem. This is what it says in Acts 8.1. It says, Saul approved of their killing and On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. You see, because of this single incident, all of a sudden the gospel, evangelism, it moved beyond Jerusalem. And in Acts 1-8 fashion, it expanded all the way to Judea and Samaria. Phase 2 began when the believers were forced out of their comfort zones. Acts 8-4, it says this, He says, those who had been scattered, they preached the word wherever they went. I like the way the message translation interprets this. It says, forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. You see, this is what happened. The the scattering of the Christians led to the most significant step forward in the mission of the church. See, it took a powerful force to knock these Christians out of their comfort zone. But once they got out of their comfort zone, revival happened. And you and I are sitting here because of what they did and how they proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. Here's the final point that I want you to take away from this today. Our comfort zone is the biggest hurdle to the mission. Our comfort zone is the biggest hurdle to the mission. 
You see, the early Christians, they were comfortable in Jerusalem. We're comfortable in our buildings. We're comfortable in our private faith. We're comfortable in surrounding ourselves with people that look, talk, act, think, and even vote just like we do. We're comfortable with letting the church lead the effort in reaching the city for Jesus. Did you know that there's 40 miracles recorded in the book of Acts and 39 of them took place outside of the context of the organized church? Isn't that amazing? The most impressive miracles that God wants to do in this community are not going to happen right here. They're going to happen when we embrace his mission out there. You see, the gospel is going to spread. The Bible tells us that the gospel is going to spread. It's going to reach the ends of the earth. The only question is whether or not it's going to happen right here, right now, and through us. Will we volunteer? Will we see revival? Will we be a part of something that changes the world? Or will our comfort zones cause the Holy Spirit to skip Milledgeville, Georgia, and look for more fertile ground? Will our comfort zones limit us? Or will the power of God propel us? You see, the mission of the Christian is to go. The mission of the Christian is to go. Not to talk about going, but to leave this place on mission for Jesus. I want to end with a quote. It's a quote by a pastor named Bo Chancey. And it's a quote that I read years ago, but it stuck with me all this time. It says, we will have an eternity to worship Jesus and to know him fully. But the here and now is the only opportunity we have to seek and save the lost. You see, God has placed people in your life that need to hear the name of Jesus. He's placed people in your life that he wants you to share his love with. We'll have an eternity to worship him. That's an important piece of what we do. But the most important thing we do is when we leave this place, we make him the center of our lives and we tell everybody we know about him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, we are wholly inadequate in this area. But that's why we feel so much tension around this idea of evangelism, because we recognize that, God, on our own, we are not capable of doing what needs to be done. We don't have the words to say. We don't have enough scripture memorized. Or we may be socially awkward. We may be scared. But God, we're grateful that your word gives us hope that it's not on our shoulders. All we have to do is be obedient. All we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is look for an opportunity to join you in what it is you want to do in this place. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit moves in this room and online, God. But I pray that it doesn't allow us to become comfortable in this place, but God, it puts a passion in our hearts to go out into the world and to tell everybody we know about how great and wonderful your love, your grace is. Put somebody on our heart now. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at